You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. Wow. Clint Eastwood, here's the breaking news, is still alive. (laughs) Are you sure? (laughs) That's kind of the startling thing. And I love Clint Eastwood, right? But this was like watching the Crypt Keeper do an impression of Clint Eastwood. (laughs) There's a lot of cautious editing in this film. Not even just for like a scene where the 91-year-old Clint Eastwood breaks a horse. (laughs) Right off the bat, you're like, yeah, that's not Clint Eastwood. I love the insert shots they did for that, too. Just when he's walking or opening a door, I can see like his... I feel so bad. I'm like, don't make this guy do this stuff. His hands are shaking. (laughs) It was uncomfortable like watching your grandfather when you don't want to have to face mortality, but you know he doesn't have very long left and he's trying to putter along and you're like, oh, I love you, but you're making me sad. Yeah. That's watching Cry Macho. No, that's the thing I got too. Just like, especially those insert shots of him breaking a horse in Cordy Fingers. Where he's, he's just on some chair just going, whoa, I'm acting. <laughs> <laughs> you know that absolutely no one believes that's Clint Eastwood on that horse, right? I feel like you kind of probably should have cut this scene but there's a lot of stuff in cry macho while not offensive or anything just felt implausible enough because of his age to be laughable but we'll get more into that that we're reviewing cry macho i'm chris joining me is justin well thank you for having me on chris was that your Clint Eastwood impression? Uh, that's my young Clint Eastwood. Old Clint Eastwood, I need to, like, gargle some more gravel to do that, which is like, well, you know. <laughs> and Santiago. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cry Macho, the review. <laughs> that's a terrible Clint Eastwood impression, Santiago. <laughs> I could not follow Justin's Clint Eastwood. Who can talk like that? I think he actually could play the voice of the Crypt Keeper. Like, that was apt. I'm not sure Clint Eastwood should have tried to make this film. Weirdly, this was something he was approached to do in 1988. This script has been floating around for a very long time, originally written by N. Richard Nash as a novel. Then he wrote the script himself. He died in 2000. The script's been around since, like, the late 70s or something. Lots of people have almost done this movie. Most recently, Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to play the lead role here, but apparently when the news came out about, oh, he fathered a child with the help, they kind of said, well, maybe we're going to back away from Arnold Schwarzenegger doing these types of movies. But Eastwood went, I was interested before, I chose to make the Deadpool instead, which was one of the Dirty Harry sequels, and now I I feel like I am the right age for this. I'm like, when the fuck do you consider the right age for this? (laughs) I mean, I feel like when he made the Deadpool was when he would have been the right age, but he deals with his own mortality the same way that his characters deal with villainous other characters. They're like, not afraid at all, totally in denial, and I wouldn't be surprised if he just murders 
death and then none of us ever die again. He is the saint of all killers. He kind of is. The film follows him, Texas rodeo star Mike Milo, who is retired because of a back injury. His former boss, Howard, played by Dwight Yoakam, hires him to go to Mexico City, cross the border, and bring back his 13-year-old son, Rafa. The problem is the mom, she's terrible, so you're going to have to sneak past her, and she's also very rich and powerful. So anyway, Clint Eastwood, poor 91-year-old Clint Eastwood, or I guess he was 90 when he was filming this, goes down there, meets the mom, who is played by the just deliriously gorgeous Fernanda Urahola, who basically says, fine, I don't give a shit, that kid is totally wild, you can do whatever you want with him, right before throwing herself sexually at him. By the way, she's 39 years old. (sighs) Remember when I said earlier about other uncomfortable moments that make you think, no, you're not the right age for this. We're not even done. Despite being told it's going to be almost impossible to find this kid, he immediately finds this kid. who is cockfighting with his cock called Macho. As near as I could tell, that this is where the title comes from, because the scene where Clint Eastwood's like, oh, I think your rooster's got something in his eye, huh? and gets it out. And they're like, oh, you must have veterinary skills. Is that what cry macho means? I don't know. Uh, there's also some subtext about what it means to be macho, mumbled out at points to try and feel like there's something here important to say. But either way, it turns into a road trip movie as he, the kid agrees to go with them. They start driving towards Texas. Meanwhile, a guy who's sent from the mom who has now changed her mind completely is trying to get the kid back and is literally never even faintly a threat at any point of this film. And then it involves another love story for Clint Eastwood the woman who's 40 years younger than him. So this is Cry Macho. You know, as much as there's stuff that's silly here, like I said, really implausible and laughable because of his age, there's nothing hateable here. There's just nothing really that good either. No. This is very middling Clint Eastwood. When I saw that the writer was the same guy who did stuff like The Judge and those kind of films, completely forgettable, boring drama stuff, I'm like, yeah, this is that, but with Clint Eastwood's touch on it. And unfortunately, there's just not much he could do with the source material here. You explained it best before we started recording. Like, it's just like, listening to your grandfather tell a story and it's not really that long but it takes him twice as long as it should to tell it (laughs) and you're just kind of sitting there like well i like listening to grandpa but i love my grandpa i remember him when the story would have only taken a minute instead of 10 minutes and i'm gonna sit as he tells the story and think about how much i loved the younger version of him yeah and now not try and think about how sad i am watching him all slowed down well and it's funny too because (laughs) the stuff you say that happens in the plot except it's like you said it's so inconsequential the mother that you mentioned oh she's rich and powerful she has like two scenes in this whole movie and then she's barely referenced to ever again throughout the rest of the story (laughs) she is arguably the villain but not really and then the guy who she sends out after the kid is the movie's villain but he's not terribly villainous and he's certainly not effective on any level he shows up randomly at points just to go well I guess something else has to happen at this point (laughs) and then they'll do that and then they'll just go right back to doing nothing the other love story is with this kindly grandma she's 51 but like super hot woman who runs like this restaurant in the middle of a tiny nowhere town that no one is ever at except for her and her family making food the chairs are always on the tables i'm like how do you make a living in this place right (laughs) story makes no sense you guys are narrowing it down because the story is so simple but it 
A whole lot of it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't even look like Mexico when they're in there. The accents seem forced. The story was laughable. I mean, it was so awkward that it made me chuckle at parts, and I just looked around the room, hoping to find somebody else that agreed with me. And yeah, I mean, it was just a very uncomfortable watch for the most part. I went into this with some pretty high aspirations. I actually really like a lot of Clint Eastwood's more recent films, especially the ones that he's been affiliated with. He's been producing a whole lot of stuff recently, and that stuff was pretty good, particularly the one about the bomber for the Olympic, I forgot the name of that movie. Richard Jewell? Yeah, Richard Jewell, which I thought was awesome. So I went into this like, okay, you know, simple old story. Maybe, you know, maybe there'll be something interesting here. But man, what a letdown. I feel like they manipulated parts of the cinematography to accommodate the fact that Clint Eastwood is so fucking old. There's a scene where the cops in Mexico show up and it seems like he evades them by simply standing behind a pillar. And he just like... Then he just walks out after they're all gone. He's like, coppers, gotcha. I almost turned it off after that. I was insulted. They're not even trying. What's the purpose here? Why did they make this movie? It's just banal. Nothing really happens. The one thing I'll give it, I thought this was heading towards an ending where Clint Eastwood and this kid would kind of be like, you know what? Fuck that other guy who paid me to come get you. I think we've got the right relationship. But it didn't end that way. And I was surprised by that. But that's about the only real surprise I had in this movie. The rest is just like, are we really going to watch every second of this fucking play out like this? And his slow relationship building with this lady and this really unconvincing friendship he develops with the kid. I personally thought the kid was really bad actor. I never bought him for a second. See, I thought he was fine at points. Like, I felt that early on when they're developing the relationship, it's all right. They're kind of building a natural chemistry with each other. But it's whenever the kid has to have high emotions when he starts to show the limits of his ability, especially during that part where you say, oh, now they have to start resolving the plot and they bring in that old chestnut of, there's that thing you didn't tell me about that you just found out? I hate you. I hope you die. And that's almost exactly the way he delivers it. It's that stiff. I just have the same feedback for Dwight Yoakam. I don't know if he's done a lot of things, but I know that he was in a David Fincher film, Panic Room, and I thought he was pretty fucking mean and sadistic in that film, and I was excited to see him, and his acting was so placid. It's almost like he knew that the story was so timid and slow that he tried to like spice it up with some emotion, but it took the rug out from under himself. So many people in this story he did it seems especially Clint Eastwood the western cowboy like counterculture ideological I don't know man the character doesn't make any sense to me either sorry I didn't like this film can you guys tell yeah I thought Dwight Yoakam was awful I don't think anyone comes off as really good here. I just don't think it's really that good of a script. I can't believe that it's been floating around with so many famous people wanting to adapt it for this long, because it's not very good. Just not an interesting story, ultimately. And I feel like a massive rewrite could have made the source of this interesting, but that's what it would have needed, a pretty massive dialogue rewrite. It's just bland and predictable. The characters all seem wooden. Eastwood is the only one with any gravitas or realism at all to him. I mean, he could do it in his sleep. He's playing playing old, cranky old Clint Eastwood, which this is like the third in his trilogy of cranky old Clint Eastwood movies after Gran Torino and The Mule. Which were both written by the same writer. Yeah, Nick Schenk. He's the same writer as those two movies. I liked Gran Torino. The co-writer. Okay, I see. And Richard Nash, he's been dead for a long time, but Nick Schenk specifically, who adapted the script from the original version, he wrote the other two movies that he did. 
I kind of like Gran Torino and The Mule, but they're both super flawed and they both suffer from the same thing problems this film has in terms of like, he's too old to be playing this part. I mean, I remember the Saturday Night Live sketch that where they were talking about The Mule and he's like, Clint Eastwood has two, three ways in this movie. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he's got two really hot ladies who are like basically opening up their skirts for him, like almost instantly upon meeting him. And you're like, he looks like a walking skeleton. Apparently in the book, it makes it more clear that the gangster lady lady the bad lady she was like burned in a fire but she's also a nymphomaniac apparently and here neither one of those things are a thing she just randomly throws herself at him and you're like what that is maybe one of the more awkward scenes i've ever seen in a movie but you know i almost kind of was grateful for the part when the other romance happens where i'm just like i just want to forget that scene happened with the other lady that 30 minutes or so when they're just in the town itself if the whole movie had been either that or something else entirely, it probably could have been a decent film. It wouldn't have been so bland. You're like, well, it could have just been a sweet little story. But then again, it just has to constantly be like, oh, right, we still have a plot to do. And that's just always the weakest part of this whole thing. It barely attempts at having an actual plot. Anyway, let's go to final thoughts, Justin. Yeah, honestly, I can't really say much more than this. I saw this shortly before we started recording, and I'm already starting to forget huge chunks of this movie. It's just middling. And at the same time, I don't hate it. If you got an auto-generated script that say, Clint Eastwood goes to Mexico to pick up Kid. This is the script that prints out from the printer there. It even does that thing I hate in movies, which was like, from the opening minute, I had that problem where you have Dwight Yoka come in and go, you know what your problem is, Clint Eastwood? You're an alcoholic. You're a drug addict. You used to be the greatest rodeo star ever. It's like, no, please tell me the character, what my character traits are. I couldn't, you know, I, just, mm-hmm. I hate that so much in movies. It's passable. Most of the acting is pretty bland to terrible, especially a lot of the side characters. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Clint Eastwood just cannot direct normal people like he thinks he can, because it's the same with like the 1517 to Paris or American Sniper or even Gran Torino, where it's like, yeah, anyone's the name actor's okay, and all the no names are just bland or awful. I don't know. I think the most I got at one point was a laugh during that one part in the restaurant with the bad guy going, hey, he's trying to steal my son. And I almost expected it to go more cliche than it did, but actually turned out to be a decent punchline. I just got to give this four and a half out of ten heroic chickens. Santi? You know, I'm kind of bummed about this one. I mean, I kept thinking about that line, is it better to burn out than to fade away? And I'm sure this is going through Clint Eastwood's mind because... This is definitely one of his lesser outcomes. It's probably not going to be his last film. He's either going to die behind the camera or in front of it. He's going to GG on this motherfucker. And, and we're going to have to sit through maybe some more really bad movies, you know. Who knows? Clint Eastwood could live to be, you know, 105. But I don't have anything good to say about this film. It was boring. It was awkward. I kept wondering why it was made at all. And I like what Justin said. I mean, I, I can't agree with more that Clint Eastwood just has a hard time directing non-stars, I suppose, because they always just come across as plastic characters. You can't convince me that they're actually real. And this is just more of that. I'm sorry, Clint. I'm going to give this 2 out of 10 wild Mustangs tamed by Clint Eastwood. Would stunt double. You know, I think they knew this wasn't going to be a drag people into theater seats type of movie. But, you know, it dragged your dad into trying to figure out how to ride off your HBO subscription. So <laughs> there you go. You know, I'm reminded again of a line from the, that Saturday Night Live bit I was talking about when they were talking about the mule, where they said at the time he was like 85 or something. He's like, he's 85 years old. He's in charge of a major motion picture and stars in it. He said, my grandfather's only 70 and we won't let him ride the power mower. There's a point where, like, no matter how talented you are, age is gonna 
take something out of you, uh, both mentally and physically. And it feels like we've been watching that steadily happen in Clint Eastwood's career as a director. And now it's reached the point where because he is so visibly feeble, that it just makes me sad. Like, I don't want to watch this. And Cry Macho is just the, I don't want to watch this of the past Twilight years of one of, I think, the greatest actors of all time in film. And I forgive a lot of stuff that other people wouldn't because Clint Eastwood, but this is just kind of embarrassing and, and sad and doesn't really have a point. There's nothing that you go, oh, I hated that so much. Everything just kind of happens and it's easy and it's well shot, at least. It's just kind of quiet. It's easy like a hungover Sunday morning, if you will. It's not even damning with faint praise. I'm not really giving this any praise at all, but I'm not, I can't hate on it. I guess I'm going to give this four out of ten probably months left in Clint Eastwood's life at this point. <laughs> I mean, Jesus. <laughs> wow. Accurate. <laughs> Man, talking about doing his performance in his sleep, there's literally two scenes where he's about to fall asleep while he's doing his acting. No, this is exactly where Eastwood's career is right now. <laughs> Doesn't he take a nap in the film? Yeah, and then just so some other shit could happen with the plot so he doesn't have to film it. It's like, oh, well, some shit happened while you were asleep. Oh, oh my gosh, so many fade-outs that are tied to that, too, where you're just like, and then stuff happened. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Believe me, you've seen the rest of this movie. You know it was nothing terribly exciting that you missed. 